0: Welcome, wombat folk and trolls, sorcerers, and orcs to Rated RPG, the fantasy role-playing podcast where we toss dice and have fun adventures with our friends. This is The Valley of Green Gold, Episode 7. So, we have a nearly complete adventuring party. We have Wendell the Wombat, he is a wizard. Ice Cold the Slab Monsoon is a professional wrestler. Silbeth Oristh is a wild magic sorcerer. And now we get to meet Emery's character. Hey, Emery, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. Jason, how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm playing D&D with my friend, man. This is very cool. And I love your character. I can't wait for everybody to meet him. All right. Let's get right to it. Unlike all our other player characters, in the Valley of Green Gold, your character was not born. He was created. In fact, you simply wake up one day. And as you look around, you see that you're in a workshop. There are a variety of tools hanging above a long and well-worn workbench, and on the opposite wall from the workbench, crates and bins and stacks of pieces and parts are uh, lined up against the wall several feet high. On the far end of the room, sunlight streams in through large windows, and you can hear a crackling sound coming from a strange hole in the wall on the other end of the room. A gnome wearing a leather apron stands before you. He's wearing a black leather cap, his long reddish gray hair in braids that hang down either side of his neck along his collar. He looks like he hasn't shaved in a few days, his face featuring ample gray stubble. And he's grinning from ear to ear, a gap between his front teeth. You don't know much, but you know that his name is Gibble Tinkertop and he is your creator and you have cast your eyes upon him for the very first time.
1: Good morning. Oh, ah, ah, 2.0. Ah, ha, ha, I am the best. Ah, ha, I've done it. A
0: 2.0, you can see me? Uh, yes. Uh, uh. can you see me? Uh, of course I can see you, 2.0. I made you. Oh, this is delightful.
1: Oh, oh you can hear me? You can see me? I have done it. <laughs> yay, yay. Uh, what have you done? I've done... Created you 2.0. <laughs> oh, uh,
0: good work. Gibble runs you through diagnostic tests and calibration and more tests and recalibration, and you realize over the course of the next few days there are three directives you must abide by. First directive, you cannot take action with the intent to injure or harm a sentient creature or through your inaction, allow a sentient creature to come to harm. The second directive, you must obey orders given to you by any creature that is in command of you. Like Gibble Tinkertop, he's just ingrained in your programming. You have to listen to him, unless such orders would conflict with the first directive. Okay. And then the third directive, you have to protect your own existence, as long as protecting yourself doesn't conflict with the first or second directive. Wow.
2: Well, this reminds me of, uh, I don't know, some sort of like AI... Uh,
0: like rules. What are they called? Th- this is based on something, right? Well, it's Asimov's Asimov's uh robotics rules. I guess would be <laughs> like rules for AI or robotics or whatever. Okay. Okay. Cool. Sweet. Cool. So I so I can't just go around murdering. Right. Gotcha. Right. And you know you've been just kind of tethered to this workbench for a few days, and finally one day Gibble unhooks you from all of these cables and different contraptions that are attached to you and you just are able to stand up and you're no longer tethered to this workbench. Oh, boy. This is great. I test out my limbs, and uh, I start, I do a little
2: dance.
1: Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, a tiny dance for your daddy, oh boy. Oh, look at me. Yes, yes, they said I was an unhinged uh, little fool. But who's the unhinged little fool now, 2.0? Oh, no, it's huh? me.
0: It's me. I'm unhinged. No, 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 they are.
1: They are unhinged.
0: Oh. We are geniuses, 2.0. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay. He suddenly... Jerks to a stop, and he looks around, realizing maybe that the sun is setting, and he says, Ah, uh, I have to go and attend to some business, 2.0. I've fallen quite behind schedule. Uh, would you like a mission, 2.0? Uh, most certainly. I want you to explore the room and learn through experience. Ah, uh, you've been programmed to do that, you see. Uh, I'll be back. I must be running along now. and he hops and jumps and leaps out the door and you look around this workshop for the first time, able to explore it. Oh, cool. Okay, Father, I'll do the quest.
2: Um, well, in my programming, I understand what missions are, and so I, I look around for uh, some sort of mm-hmm, weapon
0: or something because missions can be dangerous. There's a very large, aggressive-looking saw on the table uh, along the wall. Oh, a saw. Okay. I know those are dangerous. Yeah. I'll go over to it. All right. Uh, it's got a handle on either side. It would be like the, the sort that uh, a person would use if they were trying to saw through a small bit of lumber on their own. So it's only about two or three feet long. Okay. Uh, you could wield it, uh, one end in each hand, and, you know, Ooh. wave it around in front of you. Okay. Yeah. I'll grab it, and I'll start waving it around, practicing with it. Okay. Uh, Give me a dexterity check. All right, I rolled a 19. With a 19, you're able to whip this saw around. It's very uh, well-balanced. Probably not a weapon, but uh, hey, you're able to use it as such, just (laughs) in case something were to happen. Yeah. All right.
2: So now that I'm armed, in case I need to protect myself, I will explore the
0: rest of the room. Do I see anything fun? Give me a perception check. Let's find out. A 20! With a 20, you are able to see all of these bins and boxes and crates that are labeled with the names of parts. There's cogs, and there's flywheels, and there's strap hangers, and there's... Leather bits uh, hanging and all sorts of tools, cutting tools and fastening tools and ratchets and all kinds of stuff. But one thing really draws your attention, and that is that crackling sound that you hear coming from that strange hole in the wall on the other end of the room. Oh, oh, this must be what father wanted me to find. I will look into that crackly hole. Well, you see immediately that whatever's going on in there is emitting light. There's light coming out of this thing, and it's kind of orangish-reddish-yellow, and uh, it's kind of dancing. The uh, lights are sort of dancing in there. Dancing pretty lights. Is, Is the hole big enough for me to, like, fit through, or...? Yeah, it's, you know, two or three feet wide and two or three feet high. Uh, oh, all right. I'll climb in the hole then. All right. So this dancing orange, red, yellow light is right in front of you. It seems to be attached to some logs that are in there. They're kind of blackened. Yeah, it's just a strange thing that you have no awareness of at all. Oh, weird.
2: Well, uh, you know those the 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 logs or whatever are they kind of like in my way?
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you want if you want to get in there and like handle this dancing light, you would have to handle the logs. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just I'll
2: grab one of the logs and I'll uh, pick it up and wave it around in the air. See if I can get the uh, dancing
0: lights off of it. Okay. So you wave uh, this log around. Uh, you grab it and wave it around, and then the dancing light uh, jumps onto your hand and your arm. Oh! And it's now you've got this dancing light on your hand <laughs> and your arm. <laughs> oh, this is fun. It's pretty. Hey, father, I found the thing you wanted. As you wave the log around some more, the uh, dancing light jumps onto your head. Oh. Give me a dexterity saving throw. Dexterity saving throw. Okay, well, I'm I'm on fire <laughs> with my rolls. Yeah, and literally, I rolled a twenty-one. All right. So what happens is, as you wave your hand and the log around, the fire jumps to your head, and then <laughs> you drop the log back in the fireplace, and the fire that's on your hand and your arm goes out. <laughs> your head is still on fire, but you don't feel any pain signals. Well, that's kind of nice. Yeah, you're kind of like that that, uh, candle, Lumineer in uh, Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well,
2: uh, and Gibble Tinkertop, he uh, he hasn't returned yet, huh?
0: Just as your head is becoming fully engulfed in flame, you hear his voice. Hey, he's right this way. Oh, he's my work of art, my magnum opus. Oh, he's a true masterpiece. Hello, as he enters the room and sees you with your head of flame. You see, he's got a tabaxi with him, a cat person. Uh huh. And the cat person is standing behind him. His mouth is wide open. You look back at Gibble Tinkertop, and his mouth is wide open. Father, I did the mission. Look. I point at my fiery head. Ah! He screams. He runs forward. He grabs a a jug of water and splashes it up onto you, Uh, putting out the fire.
3: Now the dancing lights. I worked so hard. Oh, oh, what
1: have you done, 2.0? Oh,
0: dear. I thought I was doing the mission. The tabaxi looks at you and Gibble and he chuckles. (laughs)
1: More like a monster piece, (laughs) he's gone and burned himself up, ticker top. Oh, if you want the Flock Mining Collective contract, you're gonna have to fix him up. Maybe replace his burned-up head. Ooh. Oh, no, the head is integrated with the magic of my infusions. A wholly new construct must be created, as this will take considerable funding and uh, six weeks or more.
0: You've got two weeks, and here's 500 gold, and it's the last you'll see from us until you deliver. He tosses a pouch on the table next to Tinkertop and walks out the door.
3: Did I do something bad?
1: Oh, uh, 2.0, you you didn't do anything wrong. I made a horrible mistake. I forgot to turn on your pain sensors, and I forgot to tell you about fire. Oh,
3: Oh, that's okay. Um, can you do it
1: now? Yeah, well, that's fire, and, uh... It'll burn you up if you touch it. Uh, okay. Uh, kind of too late. Oh. Uh, but it's so pretty.
0: Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, <laughs> he guides you back to the workbench, and he tethers you up, and he pushes on various areas of your core of your body. And as you feel your pain sensors come online, Oh. Yeah, suddenly your hand and your arm hurts, and your head really hurts. <laughs> Crap! And then he turns you your pain sensors off.
1: I sh- I shouldn't have done that.
0: Oh. I'm really
1: screwing up today. 2.0. <laughs> it's okay. Uh,
0: uh, perhaps I should lie down. Oh, uh, we gotta fix you up. I uh, I need to. He grabs a small hatchet and starts whacking away at the burned bits of wood uh-huh. on your head. Ah! Uh, and your head jerks to the side with every strike. Chop! Chop! Uh-huh. Chop! Uh,
3: I promise this isn't traumatizing
0: me deeply. It's, 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 ah. it's okay, you'll be fine. I have, ah. I have an idea. I trust you. He stands back and looks at you like a tentative artist. Uh, it's not
1: so bad, I guess. <laughs>
0: what does my head look like? I can tell you from Gibble Tinkertop's experience that your head was a beautifully carved masterpiece. It looked so human. Uh-huh. And everything was articulated in your mouth and your jaw. So, of course, you could move your mouth. You could talk. You could move your face and, uh, you know, have expression. Mm-hmm. And now the top, like, half of the left side of your head is just like chopped off oh dear above the eyebrow across to the ear and then everything above that like half of half of your brain if you had a brain in there would be like removed there's nothing there now
2: wow okay but i don't i don't know any of that i haven't seen myself
0: i have an idea oh we can we can salvage this 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 doesn't have to be the end of me oh come with me 2.0 we must leave right on right now okay Oh, where are we going? To get ice cream? Ice cream? Yes, yes, ice cream. Please follow me, 2.0. I like strawberry. He leads you out of the workshop and down some stairs, through a door and out into a busy street. It's dusk. It's still light out, but uh, soon will be dark. You look back and you see the large stone building that you've just exited bears a sign. Uh-huh. Thule Industries. Gibble Tinkertop. Proprietor. Oh. That's a house. As you head down uh, the street, people in the street stop in their tracks and look at you suspiciously or with fear or concern. Uh, nobody has ever seen something like yourself. And, you know, maybe you're missing half your head, too. So that doesn't help. I don't take much notice. I just smile and say, hello, I'm 2.0. Nice to meet you. Most of them uh, scurry away when you say something because just just the act of seeing you speak is terrifying (laughs) to people. (laughs) Oh, that's sad. You arrive at your destination after a short walk. Uh, This is not an ice cream shop. This is a small stone building with white pillars either side of the front door. A glass window reflects your image, and for the first time, you're able to see yourself.
3: Wow,
0: look at me. I'm pretty. Uh... Except for my head. You basically look like a wooden skeleton. Your legs and arms are sort of like a wooden skeleton. Imagine like mulberry sprouts coming out of the ground. Oh. You know, they're about an inch and a half, two inches in diameter. And then those are crafted into segments that look like a, a, a humanoid's bones. Uh huh. So you've got these long limbs... And wooden bones all held together with leather strapping, and there's some metal pieces in there that hold your joints together. Oh, neat. You know, you don't have any muscles. You're just infused with magic, and that's what animates you. Okay. And, yeah, (laughs) half your head is... Roughly half the top of your head is missing. Okay. Well, now I'm starting to understand the reactions that those people had. You can still see some charred bits of wood, but otherwise there's just like little splinters. And it's real. He did a very poor job of of removing the burned parts. (laughs) There's a sign on this building that you're about to enter. It's a sign that reads, Murcroft Sanitation.
3: Oh, this is a weird name for an ice cream store. Uh,
1: for,
0: for forget about the ice cream 2.0. We've got a big, uh, a big job now. Just exude confidence 2.0. Oh, okay. Um, did you remember to turn on my confidence receptors? Ah, oh, crap! I forgot to turn on your pain sensors. Okay. Uh, he pushes some spots on your back. It seems like there's. Areas on your back, sort of like like acupressure, I guess. Okay. And uh, he's able to—he knows where those are, so he pushes them and he turns the pain sensors on. Uh, your head is still slightly throbbing from the burn and from the damage with the hatchet. It's fine. You'll be—you'll be okay. Okay. You walk into this little building, and you, it is an entryway into a business, and there's a counter and a door and some windows, some potted plants sit around, and there are some paintings of people on the wall. One of the paintings uh, is a stout gentleman with jowls, and he's wearing fancy clothing, and there's a little placard at the bottom. It says, Mr. Murcroft. And then you look behind the counter, and there is that guy from the painting. Mr. Murcroft is behind the counter. Oh, hello. Uh, Yes, 2.0, I'd like you to meet Mr. Murcroft. Mr. Murcroft, hello! And Murcroft looks down at the gnome and he says, uh, Gibble, Tinker Top, it's good to see you again, my old friend. <laughs> what have you brought for me? Gibble says, Mr. Murcroft,
1: recall a few months back when I offered to sell you a construct to help clean the sewers. You said it was too expensive. Well, this one here is 2.0, and as you can see, he is cosmetically
0: damaged. And I will sell him to you for the low, low price of 2,160 gold. Uh. (laughs) What do you say? Uh, that's right. I am cosmetically damaged. Murcroft chuckles. Oh, 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 this is a uh, some sort of joke? It is no joke, Mr. Murcroft.
1: You and your family have spent centuries in the sanitation business, but you have never had an employee quite like 2.0. He is familiar with uh, underground work, and he is unafraid of the dangers of the sewers. You can put him to work right away, and he can do the work of three
0: men.
3: That's right. I'm exuding confidence.
0: <laughs> and do you want to sell him to me for 2,160 gold, eh? Yes, that is correct. That is the exact amount that I need. And I need some strawberry ice cream. <laughs> well, you won't find any strawberry ice cream in the sewers, I'll tell you that much. Oh. <laughs> you have yourself a deal, Tinker Top and the two of them shake hands. Mr. Murcroft says, I gotta go back and
1: get the gold, I'll be right out.
0: And with that, you and Gibble Tinkertop are standing in the entryway of this building. <laughs> that was fun, Father.
1: Uh, please don't call me Father, I'm not really your father. I'm oh. just a creator, and you are just a construct, and this uh, relationship that we
0: have is, it's, uh, it's also not real, you see. Uh, not real? I have to I have to sell you 2.0 sell me. I need money so that I can build your replacement and sell it to the the Flark mining folk um, for their work. Replacement you you replacing me. No, no, no. I I I didn't turn on uh, your your emotional uh, whatnots. Uh, this is this is just an aberration. <laughs> You're not really upset, are you? I think you may
3: have turned on my emotional whatnots accidentally because I'm feeling sad. That's, that's an
0: impossibility. <laughs> well, uh, uh, just do what Mr. Murcroft says. He is in charge and in control of you now. And anyone that works for Mr.
1: Murcroft is also in charge of you. I uh, I am no longer your uh, uh create I'm I am no longer your father.
3: Oh. Okay, well, according to my directives, I must uh I must follow your orders.
0: No, no, don't be crying. I didn't put no tear ducts in there.
3: Okay, I will stop crying.
0: Yeah, cuz it's off pudding cuz there's no tears coming out. You're just making the face. I you don't know. want pudding. I
3: want ice cream. Pudding? You said pudding. Off, off pudding?
1: No, pudding. P U T T I N. Never mind, 2.0. You'll have plenty of
0: time to learn how to spell words when you're cleaning the sewers with Mr. Murcroft.
2: I hang my head for a moment and uh, then my head snaps back up and I say, 2.0.
3: Sewer cleaner, at your service.
1: Very, very well. I uh, have to make a note to myself. Not to energize the emotion coils
0: in the next model. This is a little difficult for me.
3: I think it's difficult for you.
0: And with that, Mr. Burcroft comes out of the uh, door and uh, hands Gibble Tinkertop the little satchel full of gold. And he says, goodbye, 2.0. Enjoy your time. Uh, goodbye,
3: Gibble Tinkertop. I will enjoy your pudding.
1: There is no pudding.
0: He screams from the street. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Murcroft and Sun Sanitation.
3: Are you going to be my new father?
1: Father? Oh, that's funny.
0: Billy, come here, son. I got something I want to show you. Mr. Murcroft shouts over his shoulder as if he's yelling to somebody in the back room. After just a moment, the door opens, and in walks a person who looks an awful lot like Mr. Murcroft, but he's younger, and he's taller, and he's wider, and he says, What is it, Daddy? And Mr. Murcroft says, I bought you a helper, Billy. He's going to clean the sewer's lickety-split.
1: I got him from Tinker Top. Uh, his name is, um,
0: is, what's your name? I'm 2.0. Nice to meet you. I hold out my hand to Billy. Billy does not shake your hand. He has a scowl on his face. Give me an insight check. Oh, dear. A scowl? I got a 19 on my insight. Uh, This guy does not like you, and he seems to have an opinion that he has already formed about you. Oh,
2: that's unfortunate. But I know that first impressions can be overcome. Yeah, that's a great attitude to have. So I, I smile uh, at Billy and I put my hand down and say,
3: that's okay, Billy. Oh, I can't wait to get to know you better.
1: Right, well, he's gonna do what you tell him, so get him a uniform and take him down
0: into the sewers. Test him out good, Billy. Wanna make sure he can do what Mr. Tinkertop said he can. Billy smirks and says to you, I think I'll call you number two. It's fitting like. He takes you into the back room, down a hallway, past several closed doors before coming to a large room with stone floors. Benches, racks for clothing and equipment are laid out in rows. Lockers line one wall. It's kind of like a locker room, you know. And about a dozen men and women, about half of them are dwarves are going about their business, many of them wearing one-piece suits of bright yellow leather armor, some of them working at benches, cleaning or repairing equipment. None of them have any hair. Their heads are all shaved. No beards, right? Wow, okay. Billy uh, says to you disinterestedly, Well, here's your uniform. And he grabs a uniform, a filthy, dingy, yellow uniform from a pile in a crate that has a word on it. It's in common. It says... Soiled, And he tosses the soiled uniform at you. (laughs)
2: Uh, Oh, I I catch it Uh, and say,
3: "Uh, Am I to wear this? Yeah, put it on. Uh, Okay, but it it appears to be soiled.
1: I didn't ask you what it appeared to be like. I said, put it on, machine.
3: My name's 2.0.
1: Yeah, I've heard daddy talk about you, 2.0. You don't need no bed, no food, no nothing like that. And you got to listen to what
2: I say. So go stand in the corner till I tell you otherwise. Uh, okay. I uh, stand in the corner and put on my soiled leather uniform.
0: Now, Billy, meanwhile, gets everybody's attention. Tells them that his daddy bought a machine for them to use in the sewers. It's called 2.0, but you can call it whatever you want. It's got to do whatever you tell it. There's grumbles from the crowd. They do not like you. They don't even know you, but they don't like you. That's not fair. You hear one person say, feed it to the rats. Another person says, I ain't putting my life in the hands of no confounded machine. Another person says, it's going to take our jobs. <laughs> uh-huh. None of that is funny to me, but I I do
2: what I'm what I was told. I, I stand in the corner waiting for further instructions.
0: Billy says to the crowd,
2: Look, I'm on your side here. This thing ain't gonna
1: take your jobs. It's gotta do what we tell it, and it has to help us if we're in trouble. It literally cannot hurt you. It, like, ain't allowed to hurt
0: you. Now, after this impromptu conference, Billy puts on a sewer suit, and he comes over to you. He's joined by a male dwarf with scars all over his face and a muscular female half-orc missing her left hand. Billy says to you, "'This here's Drem,' he points at the dwarf, "'and Rusk,' the half-orc. "'You listen to us, you got it?' "'Uh, yes, I get it. "'Hello, Drem. Hello, Rusk. I'm 2.0. Neither of them regard you with anything but scorn. And each of them grab a backpack, put it on, a short-handled shovel attached to each of the backpacks. Billy grabs a war hammer off the table. Drem, the dwarf, grabs two hand axes, and Rusk grabs a great axe. What do you do? Um,
3: what What are those weapons for? I thought we were cleaning
2: out sewers.
1: Well, you are going to be cleaning out sewers. We're not going to do it unarmed, but it looks like there's no weapons for you. Okay. Um,
3: what about a stick?
2: I look around to see if there's a uh, like a broom or something, a mop perhaps.
0: Well, you do see a mop on the other end of the room, uh, but Billy says, now quit
1: screwing around and follow us.
0: Uh, uh, okay. He leads you down a large stone archway at the back of the room. Stone stairs descend a bit into a dark narrow passage and they continue on. There are no torches here, but your eyes adjust and you can see as if there is some dim light. Give me a perception check. I got a 15. Awesome. Well, it's very damp. Uh, More damp in here than in any other place that you've experienced so far in your short life. The sound of dripping and running water somewhere up ahead can be heard. These tunnels that you're traveling down are slippery, but your feet have grooves and nubs in them that provide traction. By the way, you are wearing boots. but the boots are really just your feet (laughs) and they are plated, they are plated with metal, which is uh, kind of like they make, makes it look like you've got these moon boots on.
2: I, uh, I point out to them. "Uh, Hey,
3: my foot knobs help me not slip. Isn't that cool? Shut up. Okay.
0: There's a strong odor of decay, of animal waste, of rot. And there's one other odor that you detect. Give me a survival check. Uh, 12. Yeah, like rotting animal waste and decay and vegetation. And you smell sewer gas. Oh, sewer gas. Okay, do I know that sewer gas is, like, a problem? This would be imperative to your survival in an underground situation, so you definitely recognize a flammable gas like methane or sewer gas. Okay. Your programming says, do not introduce a flame or heat source here. It would be catastrophic.
2: Okay. Well then, of course, because it is my job to to protect uh, living organisms, I, I say... I have detected the presence of flammable gas.
3: It is wise to not use ignitable things near the gas.
0: You don't need to tell us, stupid. We know our jobs. Oh, uh... Shall I never mention it again, then? All three of them ignore you as they get to the bottom of this little ramp and uh, start heading toward the entrance to the actual sewers. They open their packs and they pull out these goggles that have a breathing apparatus attached to the bottom of them. Give me an investigation check. That is only a six. Something about these breathing apparatuses seems familiar to you, but you can't put your finger on it.
2: Well, I don't really breathe, now do I? No. I take note of them and... uh continue
0: on. Now, even though their voices are a bit muffled by these breathing apparatuses, you can still comprehend your companion's voices. Billy says, Alright, stupid, follow me!
2: Uh, I follow him without acknowledging the fact that he just called me stupid, like a meanie. Yeah, I mean, it's in
0: your programming. I don't even want to do
2: anything to him, you know? Yeah.
0: You all trudge through the narrow passage that descends on the slight incline into a wider tunnel. Plenty wide enough for you to stand and high enough uh, for you to stand. A six foot wide channel of slowly moving brown sludge is in the center of this tunnel. A raised stone path on either side of the sludge channel. Billy continues onward. His left arm rubbing against the wall. He's kind of hugging the wall because you know you don't want to fall into this sludge. Presumably, of course. Give me a perception check. Uh, fifteen. You detect a faint glimmer of light where Billy rubs his arm up against the wall. Give me a nature check. Okay. Well, that that is also a fifteen. This is something that you have in your files. This is a fungus. It's a bioluminescent fungus, and when you touch it. It glows for a moment, very dimly. That's interesting. Okay, well, I will. Uh, I will. I will
2: touch it. I will run my hand along that section of the wall.
0: Ooh, it lights up. You make like a rainbow with your hand. It's sort of bluish green. Oh, oh, that's pretty. Drem the dwarf says,
1: "Stop screwing around. You're going to get us killed." What?
0: The fungus can't kill you, can
3: it? You don't know that
0: for sure. I suppose
3: you're right. Uh, but it's so
0: beautiful. Billy turns around and he's looking at you. And he scowls and he says, So what do you guys think we should do with this thing first? Uh. The dwarf Drem says, uh, there's a crocodile in Tunnel 21. Billy says, Nah, I don't want to walk that far. Rusk, the uh, half- Ork says, We could send him to Tunnel 2. Billy stops her and says, If he don't come out of Tunnel 2, nobody can go in there and drag him out. That's real smart, Rusk. Look, my dad paid a lot for this thing and I want to see what it can do, but we gotta start slow. Drem says, Oh, there's a rat nest in Tunnel 10. Billy says, That's not far, let's do that. Um, am I, am I going to be cleaning out
3: rat nests then? That sounds fun. Well, that's your first job, yes. Clean out
1: a rat's nest.
3: Oh. Well, rats are pretty small things, and they're friendly. According to my files, should be pretty
0: easy. The uh, three of them continue down the corridor in motion for you to follow. I follow. You continue on for a while, passing offshoot tunnels of varied diameter. Some of them are narrow pipes that just extend from the wall a bit, dripping stinky goo, and other offshoot tunnels are the same size as the main tunnel that you're in. You pass a half a dozen of these tunnels when Billy suddenly stops. He points to a tunnel. Etched in the stone is a big number 10. Billy points and says, Go in there and kill all them
1: rats!
2: Uh... With
1: what? <laughs> I don't care what you kill killing with.
2: Give me a perception check. Yeah, I look around looking for something. Uh,
0: I get an eight. You don't see anything on the floor at your feet uh, other than the, the weapons that your companions have with them. Hmm. You do see a stick floating in the middle of the sludge channel.
3: Uh, Oh,
2: I see that stick. I'll use that. I uh, begin to
0: walk towards the stick. Do you step just off the uh, side of the walkway into the sludge channel? Is the sludge channel moving quickly? No, it's moving very slowly. Ah,
2: well, I uh, I know that I do not need to breathe, so I'm assuming that uh, I could just walk through this sludge. No
0: problem. You step into the sludge channel and immediately you fall in. It's up to your waist in this thick, stinky goo and all three of the others recoil. You stupid Get what are you doing? I'm getting the stick. Which is right there. You could reach out and grab it.
2: I uh, reach out to grab it. And then what do you do? Uh, well, uh, I have the stick in my hand now. Yep. Okay. Well, I uh, I turn around and I begin walking back. No, go and kill the rat, stupid. Oh, right. I turn around again and <laughs> begin walking down tunnel number 10. Okay, so what is Clubhead thinking or feeling right now? He just got his stick, and he's sort of walking down Tunnel 10. And I wanted him to do a little song.
3: I'm 2.0 and I love to work. I got a stick and I like to twerk. Watch me shake my little bum. Dooby-dooby-doo, that's quite some fun.
0: Oh, well, you do make it down the corridor, loudly singing your song. Give me a perception check. Now I have a stick, I have a job, and I got a seven
2: on my perception check.
0: Completely (laughs) unaware of anything that lies ahead of you, perhaps you're just so excited to have a stick. Your very own stick. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you happen upon a pile of debris that has built up blocking the main sludge channel, and it's heaped halfway up the wall in front of you. What do you do?
2: Hmm. is it is it essentially blocking my path yes oh wow uh well I uh I take the stick and I just start jabbing uh it
0: all right maybe like uh in like a weaker looking spot trying to clear it away you start jamming the stick into this uh big blockage that's in front of you roll initiative as a swarm of rats comes boiling out of the pile oh 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 <laughs> all right initiative time okay I got a I got a six wasn't really expecting this seems like the rats uh, expected something to happen because you were making a, a lot of noise and so yeah they uh, attack you first they crawl all over your body <gasps> biting and chewing and gnawing at the leather straps that hold you together oh gosh the wood they're climbing up your chest and into your rib cage oh. and you take a critical amount of damage. It's a critical hit. Oh no! You take 14 points of damage.
2: Oh, uh, well that's not good. I, uh, I, I, I scream out in pain. Oh! Uh! And then the sound of my stick clattering on the uh, the sides of the tunnel echo throughout it, and I fall unconscious because I only had nine hit points. Wow. Guess I need to make a new character, huh?
1: He's over here. Look at him. Killed by a swarm of rats.
0: How pathetic. If you weren't unconscious, those would be the words you'd hear coming from Billy, who has found you in the sewers and is returning you to consciousness.
3: (laughs) Uh, uh, Oh, oh, uh, the rats. they, They hurt me. You are a real piece of work, you know that? I'm sorry, Billy, I failed. You're a real clubhead, you know that? That's your new name, Clubhead. No, my my name's 2.0. Not
0: anymore, Clubhead. Don't call me that, please. <laughs> Billy and Rusk and Drem all laugh and chuckle as they turn and start walking back toward their home base. They've had their fun with you for the day. You follow them back to Murcroft & Sons Sanitation, and you're in the back room, the locker room and shower area, and you can hear Billy telling all of the employees that you got attacked and were almost killed by a swarm of rats, and they're all laughing about it. What do you do?
2: I uh, I stumble around uh, in this new environment surrounded by people I don't know and who don't appear to like me very much. Uh, my body is still aching from all of the rat bites, uh, and I, I find a, a shower and, and turn it on. So you go in the shower. Do you take off your
0: uniform first?
2: Uh, well, no. Uh, I, I, I keep it on.
0: Okay, it has holes all over it because the rats gnawed through that really quick, and so you've got this water from the sewer, the filth that's inside your uniform, against your components. You've got big holes in the suit. You, you're gnawed up. You've got all these bites all over you. Yeah, I,
2: I suppose about halfway through the shower, I would, I would take the, uh, I would begin taking the armor off. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I have some knowledge about medicine. Yeah. Uh, so, I think I would probably want to inspect my body and see what the extent of the damage is.
0: You realize you're basically clinging to life at this point. (sighs) Okay. Well, that wasn't a very good first day of work, I have to say. Not feeling too good about this job. Well, Billy calls you out of the shower. You've been standing in there for 30 or 40 minutes now. They've all kind of forgotten about you, but Billy remembered you went in there. Uh Uh-huh. Come on out, clubhead.
2: Okay. I turn off the shower, grab my discarded, soiled leather outfit, and uh, walk out of the sh- and walk out of the shower rooms, bracing for the inevitable
0: humiliation. Billy sees that you're carrying this filthy, ratty leather armor. Just throw that away. You can't carry that around. We can't use that anymore. Uh, okay.
2: Uh, I look around for a like a garbage or something to throw it away into.
0: There is a bin marked refuse.
3: Refuse should be disposed of in the proper
1: receptacles. We should put you in
0: the refuse.
3: Well, that's not very nice. What a piece of trash you are. Wait till daddy finds out what a worthless thing he bought. Your father was very nice to me and very kind, and you are quite mean. You all are. You all, all the lot of you. Maybe I should go,
0: uh, tell your dad. Billy runs up to you and he shoves you (coughs) so give me an athletics check oh I only got a five maybe it's because your feet are wet still from the shower and the muck that's still clinging to them Billy shoves you and you skitter backwards about five feet and slam against the wall and Billy points his finger right in your face and he says I'm gonna own this company someday my daddy is gonna be out the door and you are gonna be right there in the refuse clubhead. you got that Yes, sir. I I got it. He has you stand in the corner. He says, that's where you live now. That's your room. You stand in the corner at night. Oh, okay. And for the next couple of weeks, every day, somebody comes and gets you, and they make you go into the sewers, and you have to do the dirtiest, worst jobs imaginable. Clean out this pipe. Clean out that pipe. Unplug this area. Move all of this human waste from one spot to another, crawl down under the filth and the muck and pull big clumps of debris and vegetation out. All of this stuff that you have to do every day and every night, they don't let you rest as much as you need. So you're constantly exhausted. You're constantly failing at your jobs because they're just working you as if they're trying to kill you. Wow. Every waking hour is and being abused by these people. This, uh, this
2: really got dark, didn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Wow, okay. Well, that kind of sucks, but I mean, I-, I can't do anything about it, you know? It's my programming. That's right. I am not really allowed to
0: fight back. I, I have to listen to their orders? Uh, yeah, not cool. Yeah, after a couple of months of this, Mr. Murcroft comes walking in, and next to him, in a bright yellow leather jumpsuit, Shiny and new is a smaller version of Billy Murcroft. So it's you got Mr. Murcroft, and then Billy Murcroft is bigger than Mr. Murcroft, and then smaller than all three of them is this other person. Uh huh. And he looks just like them. And Mr. Murcroft says, uh, everybody, this is my son, uh, Merle Jr., and uh, he's going to start working here at Murcroft & Sons today. I want you all to give him a warm welcome, and uh, try not to give him too hard of a time. <laughs> and then he pats his son, Merle Jr., on the back, and Mr. Murcroft walks back out into the front office. Billy has a look on his face. Give me an insight check.
2: Okay, uh, well, maybe I'm a little tired or something. They have been working me a lot lately.
0: I only got a nine this time. All right, so Billy sees Merle come in with his dad, and Billy has this look on his face like, you little shit, I'm going to make sure you do not interfere with what I've got going on here. And he walks over to Merle, he puts his hand around his little brother, and he says, I got just a job for you, Merle. I want you to meet somebody and he yells over to you, Hey, Clubhead, come over
2: here. I, uh, leave my corner and walk over there.
0: Uh, Merle Jr., this is Clubhead, Clubhead. This is my little brother, Merle. I want you to take him down into
1: the sewers, and I want you to show him how to kill rats.
3: Uh, okay. Hello, Merle. I'm Clubhead. Follow me.
1: (laughs) All right, I'll follow you down into the sewers. This will be
0: fun. Yeah, it will be. For one of us, I'm sure. Uh, Let me get my stuff. And then he gathers his backpack and his little shovel, and he grabs an axe, a very big axe, off of the table of weapons. It's bigger than he is. And he grabs it, and you can tell he's having trouble (laughs) lifting it. What do you do? Uh, moral. Would you like me to carry your axe?
3: It seems a bit heavy.
1: Yeah, carry me axe for me, Clubhead. Okay.
2: I grab his axe. Oh, it's heavy.
1: Let's go kill some rats, Clubhead.
2: Okay, Moral. I think about this for a moment and uh, this is a little weird. I mean, I'm not very good at killing rats as we proved very decisively (laughs) on my first day. This little kid is going down here with just me? Yeah. Oh, well. Brother Billy's calling the shots. He's sending you down there with Merle. Okay. Well, I, I can't not do this, but I will approach Billy, uh, despite all of my sort of instincts telling me, don't do it. Billy hates you. He's going to just smack you or something. But I have to say this. I, I go up to Billy and I say, um, excuse me,
3: Billy. Um. I don't think this is going to be safe for me or Murl.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. And you, your point is what?
3: Don't you want your brother to be safe?
2: Yeah. You're going to make sure he's safe. Okay. I I think I know what's happening, but I don't say anything. I, I instead
0: reluctantly turn around and head into the sewers.
3: Come on, Murl. Follow me.
0: As you think about those initial directives that were embedded in your coding by Gibble Tinkertop, you remember that, first of all, you can't willingly harm another sentient life form, another creature. You can't harm them. You have to try to protect them at all costs, even if it means you'll harm yourself. You can defend yourself, but not if it means that another sentient life form or creature will be harmed. And you have to follow the directions given to you by the people who control you. And in this case, Billy and even his younger brother Merle control you. I think that
2: that's why
0: I felt compelled to
2: to bring that up with Billy. You know what I mean? Like I needed to say that (laughs) because I needed something to override my sense of, this is not good, this is not safe. But he commanded me, even after my sort of questioning it, so so I'm doing it.
0: Now, as you head toward the, the door to go down into the sewers, Billy yells, Go into Tunnel 15! Now, you know it's a long walk to Tunnel 15.
2: All right, I uh, I kneel down in, in front of Merlin, kind of down to his level, and I say,
3: Merle, we are going to be walking for a while. I need you... To always be next to me. And if we get to a a sludge crossing, I want you to climb up on me shoulders so I can take you across the sludge. Okay? Yeah, all right, clubhead. Okay, good. I'll kill them rats. You'll see. Um, let me do the killing. Uh, it's probably best. I'll find a little rat and you can kill that.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, uh... (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> lead him holding him by the hand if he'll let me yes he will let you okay you notice his hands are soft and uncalloused <laughs> Jesus oh this is this is gonna be good oh okay well we go we go into the sewer Your staff that you found, the stick that you found in the sewer your first day on the job, that's your primary tool, your primary weapon. Yeah. Junior has this enormous axe that you're carrying for him. Right. You enter into the sewers at tunnel five. If you take a left, you end up going to tunnel four, tunnel three, tunnel two. But you have been told nobody goes to tunnel two. Right. It was mentioned that first day on the job, nobody goes down tunnel two. There's something down there that'll definitely kill you.
2: Right. Okay.
0: And then if you take a right, when you go down, it's like tunnel six
2: and and on up. Since my first day, has tunnel five been sort of like cleared out
0: uh, or is it kind of still left to the way it was? All of the tunnels from like one through 10 have been totally cleared out and cleaned. Those are the oldest sewer tunnels under the city of Baxter. So... Tunnel one was like the first tunnel and then tunnel two. And you know, yeah. when you get above tunnel 10, those are the newer tunnels, but they haven't been cleared as frequently.
2: Okay, so when we get to the intersection and I kneel down towards Merle and I say, all right, Merle, um, in case you get lost,
3: come here to this little intersection, all right? And whatever you do, don't go down that way. And I point towards where uh, tunnel two is. And I say, there's a tunnel there, tunnel two. You never go in that tunnel, no matter what, okay?
1: Okay. Yeah, I won't go down there.
3: Okay. Great. Now follow me.
1: What are you made of? What am I made of?
3: Um, well, I'm made of wood and leather and magic, mostly.
1: Oh, do you know magic?
3: Me? No, i just made of it.
1: Oh, I want to be a wizard someday. Me mum says I got the gift, but me daddy wants to be, you know, down here in the sewers with Billy.
3: Oh, well, that's... That's great, I've been told that you should be whatever you want to be.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I want to be a wizard.
3: Then do that, I can't be a wizard though because I'm a sewer worker. And I don't think Billy will let me do anything else.
1: Yeah, Billy's my older brother.
3: Uh, Do you like Billy?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, not really.
3: Yeah, me neither. That's just gonna be our little secret though.
1: Yeah, we'll be friends, you and me, we'll be good friends, yeah?
0: Yeah. I like you, Merle. As you walk, Merle follows. He's holding your hand. Uh, Give me a perception check. Uh, 13. Uh, You notice that Merle is slowing down. He's kind of limping a little bit.
2: Oh. Well, as soon as I notice this, I I stop. And uh, I kneel down and I say, Um, Merle, are you feeling all right?
1: My foot hurts a little bit. It is a brand new boot and we've been walking quite a while.
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, um... Here, why don't I put you
3: on my shoulder and I carry you?
1: Oh, yeah, it'll be fun, like a ride.
3: Yeah,
2: that way you, your feet won't hurt. You bend down and Merle climbs up
0: on your shoulders.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not particularly strong, so this is my, this might slow me down a little bit. Yeah. But uh, it, it,
0: it's worth it to spare him the pain. He's a chonk, and he is holding on under your head <laughs> like his hands are... His <laughs> hands are like under, <laughs> holding on under your chin and pulling up.
3: Oh, ah, oh, okay. Hey, uh, could you maybe grab a hold of me at uh, the top of me head? Maybe? Of my
0: shoulders? Kind of grabs a hold of the, the top half of your head that's still there. Uh. Oh. sort of grabbing it like a big sandwich. Okay. All right, well, I trudge forward towards tunnel 15. Oh my God, he's so heavy. He's just like, oh, he's oppressive on your shoulders. Okay. You feel your legs kind of buckle with every step, but he seems to be having a great time.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Well, I will I will literally keep going until I collapse. You do keep going, uh, but you don't collapse. You get uh, past tunnel 10, you go past tunnel 11, and past tunnel 13 finally you get to tunnel 15 and uh, there's the entrance right there in front of you
3: i'm 2.0 and i'm pretty scared there's rats around and they'll kill me dead i really really hope that merle is safe otherwise i'll have hell to pay. Yay, that's a good song, Clubhead, I like it a lot. All right, um, Merle, um, this is the tunnel. I suppose I should let you down now. Maybe your feet have had a bit of a rest.
1: Yeah, my feet feel real good, Clubhead. We're going to go in there and kill us some rats.
3: All right, now stay behind me and be very, very careful.
2: OK. I pull out my stick. I have his axe still mm-hmm. kind of like sheathed on my back. Uh, and I pull out my stick in two hands and I start cautiously moving forward into tunnel 15. Give me a perception check.
0: 21. You are on the lookout for a rat's nest. You have experience with rat's nests. Yep. That really (laughs) stays with you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to let those pesky buggers get the drop on me this time. You look as far as you can down the tunnel and you don't see any rats' nests or blockages anywhere up ahead, so do you continue on? I I think back to what Billy said.
2: He told me to go through Tunnel 15. Yeah. Did he say anything, any specific instructions, like keep going in there until you find something? No, he just said go into Tunnel 15 to kill the rats. All right, well, I I don't see any rats, but Tunnel 15 continues onwards, right, so? Yeah.
0: I'll keep going. Eventually, there's got to be some rats. You know, usually in these tunnels, there's, like, branches or roots coming through the walls or, you know, detritus, garbage, debris and stuff. And this, But Tunnel 15 looks pretty clean and clear. Yeah. You don't remember clearing this tunnel or cleaning it recently, but eh, it's possible that another uh, group from work cleared this one out. Okay. Well, just then, Junior also kind of whimpers. His foot is hurting again. I stop and
2: uh, put my stick away, and I turn around to Merle, and I say, I'm sorry, Merle.
0: I, I don't think there's any rats this way. Just as you say that, you register a searing pain signal on the bottom of your left foot. What? I, I lift my foot and look down. On the bottom of your foot, kind of stuck to it, is a tendril. Like a snake made of liquid, it's devouring the bottom of your foot with its acidic juices. Roll initiative.
2: Oh, that isn't a rat. I got a 10 for my initiative. Let's see how Merle does here. Oh,
0: no. He got a 12, so he's going to go before you. Yeah, you know, those youngsters, they got quick reflexes. He's probably also not as tired as you are. So as you look down and you see this tendril of liquid goo touching and burning the bottom of your foot with acid, give me a nature check or a survival check, whichever one you want. I'm going to go with survival. And I got a 17. This is gray ooze. You have detailed files about gray ooze. They burn. (laughs) Yeah, would you like to know something about its offensive or its defensive capabilities? Uh, Well, I I sure as heck would like to know more about its offense, I would think. It can damage you by bludgeoning you, and then the worst part is acid damage. Especially if you've got metal armor that's non-magical, that armor can be corroded. Same with weapons made
2: of metal. Well, that's not too bad. I I don't believe I have any metal on me, except for that ax.
0: Well, you do have metal plates of armor on your chest and neck. Oh. and your vitals around your ribcage and back. Oh goodness. Okay, so there You don't you don't have a ton of metal and your boots are metal. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. So Merle is gonna go first. You never gave him his axe. No. So he is going to use his dodge actions this turn. That's pretty smart. the gray oozes there are two of them as they cascade down the wall in front of you and behind you they have you surrounded oh no okay they now attack. One attacks you. What is your armor class, by the way? It's relatively high, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's it's fairly high, so I, I'm wearing leather armor, mm-hmm.
2: and I am not wielding a shield, correct? Correct. Just have my, okay, so that is gonna be a 15 as my armor class.
0: Well, this pseudopod slams you with his tendril hand, kind of like a big club. Five bludgeoning damage and six acid damage.
2: This feels very reminiscent of my first combat encounter, because much like back then, I only have 10 hit points and that is 11 damage.
0: So I go down. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. All right, you collapse as this gray ooze has slammed you into the floor. You look up and you see little Merle's eyes get really big when he sees his friend and protector fall to the ground (laughs) as the other gray ooze tries to slam a tendril into poor little Merle. Oh, God. It hits him. Oh, no. Merle is a tough little guy, though, and he was wearing his leather armor, uh, so he is still alive. (sighs) After taking some bludgeoning and acid damage that sizzles on his leather, and he lets out a yell. And then it's your turn. So a death saving throw, please.
2: Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, here it goes. Death save. That'd be a 13.
0: All right. You, you have one success. A success. Okay. <sighs> Hold it in there. Merle realizing that... He can't really dodge these things. You're unconscious. And there's two gray oozes that have him surrounded. He reaches into his pack and he pulls out a scroll. Of course, you don't see this because you are unconscious, <laughs> but he pulls out a scroll. It is a spell scroll. Whoa. It is a firebolt scroll because just like little Merle's mama said, he's got the gift of the mage. He's got the arcane <laughs> inside of him. He's going to be a big wizard someday and he's going to toast this uh, gray ooze with a firebolt spell scroll that he's been saving up for just the occasion. And as he says the words, the firebolt Launches out of his hand and the air around you all combusts. No! The entire (laughs) chamber explodes with flame. Oh we don't have to we don't have to roll damage for that. (laughs) Suffice to say that the gray oozes are practically vaporized. Uh Uh-huh. And little Merle is. Well, he's vaporized too.
2: Oh my God. <laughs> uh, all right, so how many failed death saves is that for for Clubhead? <laughs> I'd say about eight. About eight. Okay.
0: No. But here's here's what happens as the flames and the and the force of the explosion blast into you. it you know it pushes you along the wall and smashes and grinds you against the wall. You are dead. Clubhead, and your body falls lifeless in the sludge channel.
2: Jason, um, I uh, I just want to say that uh, I'm sorry that I killed your first character in the first uh, campaign with a big fire tornado. That's
0: right, Castle of
2: Ferngrove. I I was <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right, that's right. This wasn't
0: revenge. Uh, you're you're claiming this isn't revenge. Completely forgot about it. <laughs> Water under the bridge, my dude. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Okay. (laughs) And that is episode seven of the Valley of Green Gold. And the Rated RPG Podcast will continue with episode eight. New episodes of the Rated RPG Podcast come out every Monday at midnight central time here in the U.S. After Episode 8 comes out, we'll be posting all the character sheets for Wendell, Bunny, Silbeth, and Clubhead to our website so that you can take a look at those. The website is ratedrpgpodcast.com and we've already got tons of stuff for you to see. We just posted the character sheets for the live stream only adventure, Cult Busters. So you can see those right now. Speaking of Cult Busters, we had our first game session on February 28th and it was a blast. If you wanna watch it or the session zero from January where the live stream chat helped us create the world and our characters, Those are posted on our website, too. Neither the Rated RPG livestream nor podcast would be possible without our amazing Patreon supporters and friends like Ooglisset, Danny Bell, and Banana Fish. We raise a glass and toast the health of the gorgeous Phoenix Brigade. Members in good standing include Elizabeth Parcells, Jerry Veit, and Mage. Big thanks to Dukes Jason and Turtle and Crow for providing gifts in game from the table of potentially decent random stuff, and thank you to Lord Deputy Chris Fail. We will have a roll on the table coming up in episode eight. Thank you to Chris. I'm afraid I have some sad news. Our good friend Jedi was crushed by a piano. See, there was this John Legend tribute concert in Kuatoa country, and the thousands of Kuatoa that were there manifested the piano into a god, and yet you know, it. Anyway, Jedi is back in the bucket of friends. If you would like to be in the bucket of friends or have headlines about you read from the Merchant Harbor Gazette in-game and get a cool Rated RPG t-shirt, you can become a Patreon supporter of Rated RPG. It helps us make the podcast and livestream happen, and it helps support us, the folks who create both of them. Go to RatedRPGpodcast.com and take a look. On behalf of everyone around Ye Old Gaming Table, thank you for enjoying the Rated RPG Podcast.